You are listening to the Hope Church Weekly Message Podcast. Hope Church is located in Cleveland, Texas and meets on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Pastor Todd and the preaching team desire for this message to bring life in a dark world. For more information about Hope Church, visit HopeChurchCleveland.com. I feel like I say this every year, but your freedom isn't free. If you think that it's by happenstance that we, we happen into this place without fear of uh, persecution, uh, then you just don't understand how much it costs to, uh, to be here. Freedom isn't free, uh, and all these ladies and gentlemen gave their lives for that to happen, for us to be able to worship freely uh, in this place today. And uh, it's something you shouldn't take for granted, uh, because uh, as, Pastor, as Pastor Ethan talked about, I'll be in Cuba next week, and our visas were disallowed, so I cannot actually preach while I'm there, uh, or I could be arrested. Uh, and, you know, we don't have to worry about that here. And there's things that we can, a lot of things we have to be thankful for. So let's continue. All right. Uh, congratulations. You made it. You made it through another election season on social media. Congratulations. I never thought it would be over. Uh, you know, I, I'm never, at the end of these elections, I don't know when it turned. I don't know if it was the last presidential election or the election or two before that. Uh, but now when, when the election season's over, whether who I voted for won or lost, I'm just relieved that it's over because people can get back to fighting over things that are real, like who should win the Super Bowl and should we decorate our Christmas tree before Thanksgiving or after. In case you're wondering, it's after we should decorate because we have to give thanks first. Uh, and if you don't agree with me, we'll have a prayer time after the service for you. Um, but if you'll notice, all my kids are in Christmas shirts today. It's my wife's way of protesting uh, my belief. Nothing like a divided household, right? You know. <laughs> so what I'm saying to you is that this time of year is important for us. Political seasons, it's important. It's important for us to vote. But I think sometimes we get a little lost in what we believe in. And we allow... We allow some things to get out of whack. So today, what we're talking about, we're talking about the Pharisees. The Pharisees. Now, I, all the sermons in this series are important, but this is the reason I wanted to preach this sermon series was to talk about the Pharisees. Because I believe that the church as a whole is developing a Pharisaical attitude. I believe that we think sometimes, we think that we're better than everybody else. We think that just because we come into this place and worship on Sunday morning, just because we've been washed by the blood of Jesus, that somehow we are better than everyone else in this world, and Jesus would tell you differently. And so the Pharisees were the religious leaders. They were much like the pastors of the day. They guided the law. They guided what everyone else, they told everyone else the requirements for being religious. They saw themselves as the perfect shining example of God's righteousness. They saw everyone else as ignorant sinners to be scorned and sneered at. Now, I see that all the time from the church on Facebook. We scoff at the ignorance of the world. When the Bible tells us, don't be surprised when sinners act like sinners. But yet somehow we think that we're so much better than everyone else. 
And so today, if you have your Bibles, grab them, go to Luke chapter 18. We're going to be all, we're only going to be there today. Uh, if you don't have your Bibles, don't worry about it. Pull out your smartphone unless you already are surfing on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Uh, if you are, shame on you. Now, get, get on the Hope Church app. If you haven't downloaded the Hope Church app yet, where you've been, uh, we've, we've had, I think, close to 200 people download that. So get on there, get on your Google Play, App Store, whatever you've got, uh, and download and search Hope Church Cleveland. You'll find the app. And all of my notes will be there for you to follow along. Want to give a quick, uh, give a quick commercial because the uh, commercial actually got cut short. Next week is Stan Sunday. All right, three people are excited about it. <laughs> it's going to be an awesome day. I, I, I'm actually very, very, very excited about it. I, I believe that uh, one of the things that the Lord has on our church is to lead the way. Uh, in fostering and adoption and helping. It's like it's in the Bible, helping the widow and the orphan. Uh, and so, I'm just joking. It is in the Bible, if you didn't know that. Um, and so, next week uh, is, is going to be a special day. It's all going to be, it's, it's all about how can we affect change in our community in a great way. Uh, and it's going to be awesome. Trust me, uh, if you're busy, cancel it. You're going to want to be here. It's going to be a good day, uh, and we're going to stand for the widow and the orphan, uh, and we're going to change Johnson County. Did you know that Johnson County, and, and I could be wrong, so somebody correct me. I'm sure they will if I'm wrong, but per capita, Johnson County has one of the highest CPS rates of all the metropolitan or the Dallas Metroplex. Now, we're the smallest county, but we have one of the highest CPS caseloads. So what does that say to you? The church needs to rise up, and the church needs to help change that. And I truly believe that Hope Church is going to lead the way in Johnson County. And that video actually showed that Brown County now, where the church was in Brownwood, now has more foster and adoption families than kids that actually need a foster family. And I believe that God can do that in Johnson County too. Uh, so let's do it. Just do it, right? Okay. So... If you have your Bibles, we're in Luke chapter 18. We're going to start in verse 9. Now today, we're going to be talking about two types of people. And usually I tell you this isn't an exhaustive list, but today I'm going to tell you this is an exhaustive list. I believe there's two types of Christ followers, and I think Jesus touches on both of them. You can either have one attitude or the other. Now sometimes we, depending on the season, we jump between the two attitudes. But there's one attitude that you're going to find that we need to have, and I'll touch on that at the end. So let's read and find the first attitude. Luke 18, starting in verse 9. He also told this parable, he being Jesus, to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed this, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other men extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like the tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I even give tithes of all that I get. So what the Pharisee here is saying is, dear Jesus, you're welcome that I'm so awesome. You're so lucky to have me in your kingdom because I am so awesome. You're welcome in Jesus' name. Amen. And that's his prayer. I mean, honestly, if you really look at it, how dare I be around these awful people that are in this place praying the way that I am? You know, this, they, they just bring dirt to this place. But look how awesome I am. And so the first attitude we're going to look at 
the first attitude of the people in the story is the first attitude is religious. Religious. Now, this person, this person was actually a pastor. He was actually what would be a pastor in our culture. And so Jesus is drawing a stark contrast. He's contrasting between a pastor and he's contrasting what would be a hated sinner in the society. And actually what he's suggesting is that the pastor is the wrong way to be. He prayed about himself. He prayed about himself, not to God. Notice he talked about how awesome he was. And guys, I think sometimes we as the church, we get so full of ourselves that we forget to keep the main thing the main thing. Now, let me illustrate this to you, okay? I'm about to show you what the devil looks like. Do y'all want to see what the devil looks like? Here it is. This is the devil. It's okay to laugh because I'm making a joke here. This is the devil. Now, if you read Facebook... This is what you would think what the devil was. A holiday Starbucks cup. Now there's stars on here. It's green. But I see nothing on this cup about Jesus. You know what that leads me to believe? Starbucks hates Jesus. Now here's the thing. We laugh at that. But it's true. That's what we as the Christian right get all excited about. A Starbucks cup. Well guys, I'm here to tell you. I'm not worried about Starbucks bringing in Jesus for the holiday season. Guess who's supposed to bring in Jesus for the holiday season? We are. And relying, we're relying on Starbucks to do it. Now, I'm here to tell you, if I'm going to have holiday spirit, I need Starbucks. Okay? Praise Jesus. Right? But that's the thing. We spend so much time focused on a stupid thing such as a cup. I mean, was it last year or the year before? It was like it was all red. And they were like, they took everything our Christmas off the cup. Is it red all year? I mean, it just, it, it just baffles me. And then, then I see things on Facebook like Lauren Daigle went on Ellen. And everyone's like, how dare she go on national television and spread the love of Jesus? We should quit that mess and stop doing it. I mean, it just, I, I just want to sometimes reach through the computer and punch people in the face. Do you ever feel like that? Right? I mean, because sometimes I just scroll through Facebook and I go, I just, I'm sitting there with my phone and I'm just like, Jesus, I need you today. And I start saying, I need you. Oh, I need you every hour on Facebook. I need you. But that's the thing. We spend so much time focusing on all this mess and we, we forget to keep the real thing the real thing. Guys, I don't think if we put a nativity scene on a Starbucks cup that anybody's going to get saved. I really don't think that. They still need somebody to come and tell them. I think even if they put the Roman road on a Starbucks cup, nobody's going to notice. Because they want the Starbucks. So let's stop as the church sitting back and being defined what we're against. And stop being, start being defined by what we're for. Because, guys... What we have to tout, the story that we have to tell is so much better than what we have to say that we're against. Because the love of Jesus, that changes people. That changes people. And no one ever gets on Facebook and go, you know what? They're right. Even though I hate Donald Trump, I should love him. No one ever gets on Facebook and changes their opinion. Now, I, I love our president. I love every president we've ever had. Because God calls me to do that. 
But here's the thing. Facebook's not a place to change people's opinion. What if we, this Christmas season, instead of complaining over a stupid Starbucks cup, we actually spread the love of Jesus? We actually spread what is all what this season is all about. Because guys, there's two seasons that's just gift wrapped for us. Gift wrapped. I'm so punny. Um, <laughs> That was good. That was good. I like that. That's not even in the notes. That just came out of nowhere. There's two seasons that are gift wrapped. One comes gift wrapped. One comes in an egg, right? <laughs> Easter is easy. And Christmas. I mean, for crying out loud, there's two seasons now. I know they're pagan holidays that we've adapted. Don't start that with me. But it's two great times that you can go anywhere and see Jesus everywhere. Stop worrying about a Starbucks cup and Lauren Daigle being on Ellen. She was on Jimmy Fallon, too. The devil, right? And so what we have to understand is you are not better than anyone else. Only by the grace of God are you forgiven. That's our shareable moment. That needs to be on Facebook. You are not better than anyone else. Only by the grace of God are you forgiven. It is God that has made us whole. It is God that has made us who we are. Let us not sit back and beat our chest and say how awesome we are. Now, I'm here. I love the church. I'm passionate about the church. But we've got some things that we need to fix. So let's look at the second person. Continue on Luke chapter 18, verse 13. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven. But beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, for I'm a sinner. Notice his posture. The Pharisee's posture was, look how awesome I am. The tax collector's posture was, he was so humble, he, he was afraid to look to the heavens. Because he did not feel worthy to speak to the heavenly father. And he said, Lord, forgive me. I need you. And that's the second attitude. We either have an attitude of religion or we have an attitude of repentance. Repentance. And guys, I truly believe, I truly believe that God is breaking the church. I'm not talking necessarily about Hope Church. I'm talking about Big C, the church as a whole. Because we as the church used to run the culture. Nobody used to be open on Sundays. Nobody used to have football games on Sunday afternoons or Sunday evenings or Sunday mornings there in church. Nobody used to have baseball games or baseball practices or anything like that on Wednesday night. Nobody used to do that. Why? Because everybody went to church. But here's the problem. The church got so full of itself that now we think everyone should just be awesome like us. The church is the only place that looks outside of itself and tells the culture what's wrong with it and then expects them to come in. Would you go to Starbucks if, if Starbucks said, listen, guys, you're stupid and you need coffee. Come drink ours. Because that's what we do. And we expect people to go, I am stupid. Please give me some of your overpriced coffee. Right? And we're shocked when the culture doesn't go, you know what? I am stupid. I should go to church. They don't do that. And so we have to have a humble spirit. We have to have a repentant heart as a church. And we better figure it out real quick or the church is going to go away. And we've got to figure out that that the way we love our community is first by meeting their needs. 
Jesus went into a place and he didn't go, you're all going to hell. I'm the son of God. I'm here to save you all. No, he found the worst sinner in the town and went to his house and had dinner. In fact, the Pharisees would make fun of Jesus and said he was a friend of sinners as if that was a bad thing. We are called to reach the lost. We are called to love, (coughs) excuse me, we're called to love on people where they are. You know, a lot of people say to me, Pastor, you know, as soon as I get things figured out, I'm going to get in church. And I tell them, guys, the place for you to be when you don't have to have it figured out is the church. This is the place of all places that we can come into this place and not be okay. This is the place that we can come into this place and not have everything figured out. This is where we can do things together. This is where we can do life together. This is where we can be who we are and build each other up. That's what this place is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be a place where we, can, we have it all figured out. People tell me all the time, Pastor, I'm afraid to go into the church because if I go in the church, I might catch on fire when I walk through the door. And I'm like, don't worry about it. We've got this fancy system that now it's fire alarms everywhere. So if you walk in and you're on fire, the fire department, they're down the street. They'll be here like that. I'm joking. No one has ever burst into flames walking through the door. Because here's the thing. There's no one in this world that is a big enough sinner that Jesus can't save. There's no one that has done so much wrong that Jesus can't save. There's no one out of his grasp. And so we need to quit having this look how awesome I am attitude and start reaching the lost. So how should we as Christ followers act? How should we as Christ followers act? Usually I give you three points and then land the plane, but just couldn't today. So how should we as Christ followers act? We should be humble and in constant dependence. You need to be humble and in constant dependence on him. Luke chapter 18, verse 14. This is Jesus landing the plane for the disciples. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humble, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And guys, another translation put it this way. The Passion Translation says, for everyone who praises himself will one day be humiliated before all. And everyone who humbles himself will one day be lifted up and honored before all. Guys, one thing that we have to learn is we have to learn from our mistakes. We as the church are not always willing to learn from our mistakes. We just want to, we just want to blame other people for our problems. Do y'all feel that in our culture? Do y'all feel like we don't want to take, we don't want to take blame for our problems? We just want to blame our problems on other people? Do y'all ever feel like that? I feel like that every day. You know, there's, let, me, let me tell you a mistake I made, okay? Can I be transparent and, make, and tell you about my mistakes? If you're in the first service, you already hear, heard about it. I thought everyone loved Christmas Eve services. Now, what I found out very quickly is that our culture doesn't really care about Christmas Eve services anymore. So the first year that we had our own building, I said to myself, everyone loves to come to church on Christmas Eve. And we were only at one service at the time. So I said, let's have two services. And the first service was like this. Most seats were filled. Things were looking good. Then the second service, we had 20 people. That's counting everyone and and counting pregnant women twice. 
Now, I'm here to tell you, it's a stark difference to go from preaching to a crowd like this to preaching to people that fill up probably these first two rows here. You're like, well, I messed that one up. So as soon as I got home, my wife said to me, so we're going to do two Christmas Eve services next year? And of course, I had a very humble response as the wonderful husband that I am. I said, no, babe, we're not. No. I got frustrated. But you know what I learned from my mistake? You can't bite off more than you can chew. It's okay to have one packed out services, one packed out service instead of two that one is empty. That doesn't help you at all. And so I learned from that mistake. And this year, we will have one Christmas Eve service. Even though we're at two services, we will have one Christmas Eve service. My dad's in the back going, praise Jesus. And so I implore you to attend the one Christmas Eve service because I'm, I'm praying that we'll need more seating and it's going to be good. But guys, what I'm saying to you is when we worship ourselves, God will humble us. When we humble ourselves, God will move. It's only in our deepest humility that God can move in us. Because when we think that we have everything figured out, we're not moldable at all. It's when we're down. It's when we've been kicked to the curb. It's when we have nothing else to look at can God teach us the most. I love what Pastor Gio said. God told him to trust him. Well, we should always be in a time where we're trusting God. We should always be in a time that we're saying, God, what are you trying to say to me? And guys, I've told you this time and time again. You've got to have somebody in your life that tells you you're not an amazing person. Because this whole world is going to be full of yes men. This whole world is full of people that are like, you're awesome. But you've got to have people around you that say, hey, you know what? That wasn't so great. You know, I had a pastor friend of mine about two years ago. Well, probably about 18 months. He came and he listened to me preach one time. And, and afterwards I said, all right. I went to him and I said, yeah, all right. What'd you think? It was an awesome sermon. He goes, well, you're kind of all over the place, man. I was like, are you kidding me? Me? And you're like, yeah. <laughs> and he gave me this book. He gave me this book. It was called The Art of Storytelling. And it talked all about how every story, every illustration, every part of your message, every part of your delivery has to be on purpose. And that really changed the way I looked at preaching. And it really refined the way I did things. And so because I listened to someone who didn't have the most awesome things to say about me, I was able to change. And so guys, that's where we have to find ourselves of God. We have to find ourselves at a point to where God can speak to us about anything and we react. If God tells us, hey, I need you to fix this, we react. So what does this mean for us? What does this mean for you in your life today? I've got three questions for you, and I think I wrote them in a bad mood, so I'm just letting you know that up front. Number one, do you think you are better than everyone else? See, I told you I was in a bad mood. Do you think that you're better than everyone else? Guys, I've said it one time. I'll say it a hundred more times. We as the church have to stop telling the culture what's wrong with them. We as the church have to stop going and stop being surprised when the world acts like the world. We just need to be the church and love on them. 
We need to stop acting like we are so awesome, we are so holy. We just need to love on them. And this is the time of year that we can love on them the most. This is the time of year that we bring peace. This is the time of year that we bring love. This is the time of year that we bring joy. Those of you that are Christmas fans, our our Christmas series is going to be awesome. It's called Caroling. We're going to go through all the carols and talk about the biblical principles behind them. We're even going to talk about Mary, did you know? I know Kenzie's excited. (laughs) Yes! Hey, you stay tuned. We're going to find out. And so, <laughs> and so we have so much hope. I mean, for crying out loud, when you turn on the Christmas station, you are turning on Christian music. It's talking about the Savior. It's talking about the Messiah. Now, not all of them are. You know, Jingle Bell Rock is not necessarily talking about the Savior. But Joy to the World, O Little Town of Bethlehem, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. No, Frosty the Snowman is not... Hey, I blame, I blame you for that. I blame you for that. That's, that's all you. Uh, about Jesus. Oh. The blonde show. It's fine. No big deal. <laughs> I love you, Kaylin. You want a Starbucks cup? <laughs> so number two, before I get in trouble with Kaylin, do you need to shift your focus to a kingdom mindset? Do you need to shift your focus to a kingdom mindset? When we have a kingdom mindset, we do things differently. When we have a kingdom mindset, we don't look at the harvest through the keyhole of the church. Now, what do I mean when I say that? We as the church, sometimes we, the harvest is out there for us to go get, but sometimes we look through the keyhole and go, let's go out there and get them. How do we get them in here? When, when God tells us, don't look at them through the windows, go out and be a part of the harvest. Go out and, and be a part of what's going on out there, and then you will understand how to reach them. And when we have a kingdom mindset, God is uplifted and we are diminished. Everything that we we do should be uplifting God and pushing ourselves down. The third and last thing is the worship team comes back. Do you need God to move in a new way today? Do you need God to move in a new way in your heart today? Now, let let me give you a charge, okay? This last part of the service is for you. I'm telling you what, if you paid for admission, this is the part that you paid for the most. Because right now you're in a time that God can speak to you. And what I'm saying is each and every one of you came into this place today for a reason. I guarantee you came into this place so that you could be a better person or that God could change something about you. So what I'm saying to you is that each and every one of us, each and every one of you today, has something that God wants to change. You know, how many weeks are there in a year? Somebody help me. 52, okay? So if we can change one thing a week, we can change 52 things about ourselves in a year. So quit trying to focus on changing everything all at once. Just focus on one thing a week. So what's the one thing this week that God needs you to change? Maybe you need to have a humbler attitude. I, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking to myself and I'm, God can always humble us more. God can always help us to push him more and diminish ourselves less. 
You know, maybe, maybe you've got a cursing problem. Talked about in the first service, our, our man Christopher. A lot of you know him. He's long hair. He runs sound on occasion. He's from Chicago. And what I loved about Christopher is he would have given every old church lady that I grew up with a heart attack. Several times we'd have men's Bible study at my, at my house when Hope Church first started. And I could count many times that he would just be in the middle of discussion and just drop the F-bomb in men's group. Now, most church people, that would give him a heart attack. But Chris, he grew up rough part of Chicago. That was his way of life. Now, that's not to say Chris now, Chris now has been baptized. He's walking with Jesus. Now, that's not to say a bad word won't slip out of Chris's mouth occasionally. But he doesn't struggle with that anymore. Why? Because we were able to love him through that. We didn't see him and go, whoa, you can't act like that in church. We said, all right, man, it's good. Let's walk from here. You know, and I was, I was doing something yesterday, and somebody, somebody let one fly. They're like, oh, sorry, I'm in a church. And I said, Jesus hears you all the time. Doesn't matter if you're here or anywhere. Jesus hears you all the time. So what I'm saying to you is Jesus sees you all the time. He sees everything that you do, even when you think that you're in secret. So what is he asking you to fix this week? Let's not be like the Pharisees and think that, look how awesome I am. Let's be like the repentant tax collector that said, Jesus, I need you. I need everything of you. So during this time, prayer team, go ahead and get in place. Please. See, I'm working on it. I even said please. <laughs> what would God speak to you today? Now, the prayer team is here. We're here to, to uplift you. We're not here. This is not confession. We're not here to hear about all your sins. We want to we wanna uplift you. So what is it that you need to give to the Lord today so that you can be a better witness, so that you can be a better follower of Christ this week, so that you can not be like the Pharisee, instead be like the tax collector, humble and repentant for the Lord? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that no matter where we find ourselves, you love us. We thank you that no matter how many times we mess up, no matter how many times we act like the Pharisee, you still care about us. So Lord, I pray today that you would help us to focus on the one thing this week that we need to fix. Help us not to just knock it all out at once because we can't do that. We have to focus on one thing at a time. It's behavior modification. But Lord, ultimately, we only want to do what you would have us to do. So Lord, I pray today that you would just speak to us. Show us how we need to be better for you. Show us how we can be a better witness for you. Show us how we can be a light instead of casting people away from the church. Lord, help us to be kingdom-minded and help us to focus on you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.